Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh my God, you guys are my favorite. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Rich Eisen. I know what I'm talking about. That's the headline. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Dan Schwartzman. OMG. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Oh my gosh. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Dan Schwartzman. Oh wow, it's a Black Friday here on the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman filling in for Rich. God, I love it. It's been a while since I've been sitting in the big boy chair, but it is awesome to be back, and we have so much to get into. First off, guys, uh, make sure you have your credit cards near you. Hope that today will not be such a brutal day for your finances. I've never gotten into this uh, Black Friday thing, by the way. Never got into it. Maybe it's because I'm cheap. I'm really not sure. But I've never been one to get excited for Black Friday, like put up a whole wish list of things that I need or want, because frankly, I really don't need anything. I'm one of those simple guys that when it comes to clothing, I go into a store, I know exactly what I want, I know my size, I buy it, I don't return things because I usually buy it correctly. Shoes, I'm like, all right, let me see what's on sale. If it's like, you know, under 100 bucks, perfect, let's go. I'm a very simple shopper. Some may say I'm not sophisticated, but that's fine. Now, the wife obviously is a different story. I, the Amazon returns that I take weekly are just flat out ridiculous. If I was Amazon, I would cancel her subscription. No question about it. But I don't think I'm unique in that sense. And she gets excited for Black Friday. Oh my God, look at all these great deals. Oh my goodness, what am I going to buy? We need this, we need that. I'm like, honey, we don't need anything. Like, what are you talking about? That's such a waste. So that's what Black Friday is for me. It's a way to just separate somebody from their money. And I think retailers do a really good job of that. And then, you know, it makes you feel old at times. I'm 45 years old. I don't feel it. Some say I don't look it. That's a compliment, I guess. I feel 25. But Amazon sends you these, like, notifications throughout the day, right? And the last one I got 10 minutes ago was, great deal on socks. What the heck does it tell you about yourself when Amazon is recommending that you buy socks? Like, give me something cool to buy, some electronic or something, right? Something sports-related. Look at this sports memorabilia, big sale. Or, wow, this, uh, this electronic is half price right now. No. I get a notification saying, hey, there's a big sale on socks right now. So I think, frankly, that I'm going to take that as a not a compliment, Because I really don't need more socks, although I do find myself buying socks on Amazon. So if you're out there right now, caught in traffic, wherever you may be, heading to the mall reluctantly or 
frankly, if you want to go, good job, good luck, enjoy. Tyler Brewer, by the way, is with us as well. Tyler, are you a big Black Friday guy? Is there a significant other in the Brewer household that may enjoy Black Friday a bit too much as well? Where do you stand on Black Friday, my friend? <laughs> I mean, honestly, not to be a humbug here, but I'm not a big Black Friday person. I'm more of like a Cyber Monday kind of guy, you know? Like ah, you're cheap like me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to box stores. I'm not getting up early, fighting lines. No, 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 no. Well, also, you're in L.A. You have to drive that 110, <sighs> the 105, whatever it is. That too. I saw the traffic uh, Wednesday evening. Heading into Thanksgiving I was, Thursday. I was actually at LAX on Wednesday at 2 o'clock. The worst time to be at LAX, picking up a friend from out of town. And, uh, yeah, he owed me a beer after that one. That was a long day. Well, there you go. So, two great minds think alike. We are not fans of Black Friday. But I am a big fan of Thanksgiving for a couple of reasons. One, I do enjoy the food. I'm not, a, not really a turkey guy. I actually cooked a duck yesterday. And uh, I must pat myself on the back. It turned out really well. But I uh, I enjoy the stuffing, pumpkin pie, all the good things. My mom makes a homemade cranberry sauce. She came over with my dad. It was a lot of fun. You know, the two kids behaved themselves. It was it was definitely a good time. I'm a big fan of the food, but I'm also a big fan of the triple header with the NFL. And I got to watch a lot of football yesterday. No complaints from the family, but I got to watch a lot of football yesterday. Uh, you know, and really, I just kind of scratched my head throughout the course of watching NFL football yesterday because. I can't figure out a couple of things. Help me out here, okay? I can't figure out a couple of things. One, who the heck are the Detroit Lions? Are they really an upper echelon team? Are they a marquee team? Are they just kind of masquerading as a marquee team once in a while, and then they, they have clunkers like we saw yesterday? I, I honestly don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm watching this team, and I'm saying, ah, they're okay. They're not great. The Packers shouldn't have won that game on the road, right? I mean... Jordan Love is a young quarterback, looked great. Jared Goff has played at a very high level, but you can't be spotting 23 points and be down 23-6 to six at halftime, right? Playing a home game on national TV when people want to take you seriously. You're 8-2, 4-1 at home going into this matchup against a winnable Green Bay Packers team. You've won three straight, right? You've had a really good season to date. But then you kind of break down the schedule and you look at this team and you say to yourself, outside of the win against the Chiefs week one, and that was impressive, 21-10, to 10, who the heck have they beaten? Week two, they lose to Seattle. Then it's a win against the Falcons, mediocre. They knock off the Packers on the road at Lambeau, again, a mediocre team. They beat the Panthers, awful. Buccaneers, mediocre. They get run out of... Baltimore by the Ravens, 38-6. to And then the three-game winning streak is what? A home win against the Raiders. A win at the Chargers. Chargers aren't great. And then a home win against the Bears. So they're also a product of their schedule, correct? They're okay. They're pretty good. But they're not an elite team. They're not the Eagles. They're not a team like that. They beat the Chiefs week one, but if you played that game again right now, as bad as the Chiefs wide receivers are, my money's on Kansas City. So I'm watching, thinking, this is great news. I have a couple of friends who are Detroit natives and Lions fans, and I'm happy that they actually can watch a winning product these days, but I don't want to burst their bubble. They're not exactly a really good team. And the schedule is favorable, right? They're at the Saints, at the Bears, home for the Broncos, at the Vikings. At the Cowboys, home for the Vikings. Okay, that's the remaining schedule. 
they're going to win 10, 11 games. Right? They're going to win 10 or 11 games. They're 8-3 already. There's a great chance they'll win three of those games at least. Pop themselves into the postseason. But I don't see them going very far. Because they haven't proven anything to me. The Lions haven't proven anything. You play a bunch of cupcakes, you play a weak schedule, and you're a fairly decent team, you should win these games. Now, I do like watching Jared Goff be an elite quarterback right now. I always liked Jared Goff. I thought to a point he got a raw deal in L.A. Yeah, listen, he's not the superstar. He wasn't a guy you look at and say, yeah, clear-cut number one pick, blah, blah, blah. But he hasn't had a bad career. When it's all said and done, Jared Goff is going to have a career throwing for over 330 touchdowns. So it's over like 50,000 yards, right? It's going to be good numbers. He's a good quarterback. He's not great. But it's good to see him get that recognition these days. Had a nice year last year at Detroit. He's in the midst of having a fairly nice year this year. Maybe the interception numbers need to go down a bit. But overall, Jared Goff, who was let go unceremoniously to a point in that deal with, what, Matt Stafford... It worked out for the Rams. They won a Super Bowl. But on the other hand, the Lions have themselves stability at quarterback, continuing from Matt Stafford to now Jared Goff. And Jared Goff's 29 years old. You got plenty of tread on that on those tires. So it's good to see Jared Goff succeeding and leading this team and playing winning football. And I'm a Dan Campbell fan because I think the guy's outrageously nuts, but I like that. I don't think he's a great X's and O's coach. But guys want to run through brick walls for him. Great for him. Awesome. But what it really comes down to when you break this down is the Lions haven't proven anything this year to be considered an elite NFC team. They're not. And frankly, if they win 10, 11 games, we're still going to shake our head and say, who are they? Now, if they win on the road on December 30th at Dallas, we might say, okay, maybe they're elite. But that then takes us to the Cowboys because that was the second game I watched yesterday, and I have to be perfectly honest with you, they're another team that you have to shake your head and say, who the heck are the Cowboys? They look amazing against bad teams. They do. They look amazing against bad teams. In fact, in their wins against bad teams, they've outscored their opponent by like 200 points. They dominated the Giants week one, 40 to nothing. They dominated the Jets week two, 30 to 10. Heck, they beat New York 70 to 10. They dominated the Patriots 38-3 week four. Okay, those are dominating games. They dominated the Rams 43-20. They dominated the Panthers 33-10. They dominated the Giants the second time around 49-17. They dominated the Commanders 45-10. Awesome, unbelievable wins, right? But then again, they lose to the Arizona Cardinals week three. That's a bad loss. I don't care if it's on the road. That's a bad loss. They lose a close one at Philadelphia, 28-23. to Okay, fine, I can live with that. And remember, they had opportunities to win that game. You can pretty much put that on McCarthy. 49ers on the road, they lost 42-10. to Okay, you lose to the Niners, an upper echelon type team. Okay, I can live with that, although 42-10 to is inexcusable when you're supposed to be an elite team. But again, when you look at their wins... They haven't really beaten anybody good. Their best wins against the Rams, right? Is anybody thinking the Rams are a Super Bowl contending squad? No. The Chargers? No. And that's the whole point here is the Cowboys haven't played anybody either. Now, things get much more difficult for them. Listen to these next four games for them. Next five games, excuse me. Home for Seattle. Home for the Eagles. 
at Buffalo, at Miami, home for Detroit before they're in Washington. So if you want to know who the Dallas Cowboys are, let's check back here in five weeks, and we're going to know darn well who this team is. Are they really an elite Super Bowl contending team, or are they a good team that's beaten up on a bunch of cream puffs? I watched the Jet game because I'm a Jet fan. I'll tell you, like I, I, I was impressed. I thought to myself, even with Aaron Rodgers, Jets aren't winning this game. And I thought that the Cowboys were an elite-level contender. But then as the schedule went by and you had that Arizona week a week later, you know, the Arizona loss a week later, then you say to yourself, okay, maybe they're not elite. You don't lose to the Arizona Cardinals. So overall, look, it's not a great team. It's a team that has a lot of talent. Maybe elite talent. I think Mike McCarthy actually holds them back. I've never been a big Mike McCarthy fan. I don't think he's a effective X's and O's guy. And in fact, I think he may be the weak link on the Dallas Cowboys. But again, check back in five weeks. We'll know what this team is truly about. Then you look at the 49ers in game three, and that was impressive. Right? That was impressive. You know, that, that team just absolutely laid the hammer on the Seahawks. Two straight years, they've gone to Seattle, and they've won in a very place. It's a very tough place to win. They've won, what is it now, 10 straight divisional games? That's impressive. All right, the Cowboys, excuse me, the 49ers are seemingly purring like a fine engine right now. They look very, very good. Christian McCaffrey, absolute stud. Next game, he goes over 1,000 yards rushing. He's just been phenomenal. He's, he's the best. We know that. Brock Purdy continues to impress. He's going to go down potentially as one of the great draft steals in history. Again, it's early, but when you're Mr. Irrelevant and you're the starting quarterback over a former third pick in the draft, and through 20 NFL games, you've thrown 32 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, you have a quarterback rating of over 110, you're doing something correct, right? I mean, they're playing at a high level with Brock Purdy. I'm not sure that he's just a flash in the pan. He seems to be fairly legit. That defense is unbelievable. They they what? They got six sacks of Geno Smith yesterday. Nick Bosa, two sacks. Javon Hargrave, one and a half sacks. That's a legit defense. That's a legit pass rush. Impressed with what the 49ers did. And really, two of the last three wins that they've had in this three-game winning streak against the Jaguars on the road, destroying Jacksonville, and now on the road, destroying Seattle. See, this is an elite team. Like, you watch this team and you say to yourself, this team is elite. And then when you actually look at who they've played and some of their wins, you say, I can justify calling this an elite team. They win at the Steelers. Okay, it may not be the same Steelers, but they destroyed them week one. They knock off the Cowboys at home 42-10. to I mean, that's a big win. On the road at Jacksonville, on the road at Seattle, legit wins. Even the losses, by the way, at the Browns, at the Vikings, home for the Bengals. That was the only real blowout loss. But at least those are, you know, I mean, pretty good teams. These aren't these aren't terrible teams. These aren't the Arizona Cardinals, the Carolina Panthers. So you can look at this team and say, okay, there is legit reasons to say the 49ers are in the upper echelon with the Philadelphia Eagles. In that NFC, it's easy to back that up. 
And they're, of course, the best team in the NFC West. It's not even close. Forget Seattle, all right? Like, all right, nice story. They're probably playing better than we thought. Witherspoon's been an incredible rookie. He's going to be the defensive rookie of the year. He seems to be doing what Sauce Gardner did last year for the Jets. I'm not sure he's a first-team All-Pro, but he's going to be in that conversation. Geno Smith is okay. I, I don't think... Listen I, I, listen, I remember when Geno Smith played for the Jets. I remember when he was a backup with the Giants. Uh, last year, he played very well for Seattle. I do think this, that was a flash in the pan. He hasn't been the same guy this year. He's throwing more interceptions, less touchdowns. All his statistics, by the way, are down significantly from last year to this year. I think he is who he is. This, to me, is like Cam Newton. Cam Newton had that one amazing year, right? 15-1, and threw a bunch of touchdowns. But then you look at all the other years, and they're kind of similar. 21 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Geno Smith, last year's the outlier. 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 4,200 yards passing. Nowhere in his career did he remotely come close to those types of numbers. And this year, he's not going to hit those types of numbers. So... Who's Geno Smith? What we saw last year or what we've seen since 2013 when he failed with the Jets, became a backup with the Giants, became a backup with the Chargers, went to Seattle as a backup, and then got a starting nod and, and has done fairly well. I tend to think of Geno Smith more as that guy than what we saw. We're going to find out more, by the way, as to who the Lions are, who the Cowboys are, are the 49ers right up there at the Eagles. Our buddy Jason Cole, love talking to Jason. He's going to be joining us on the other side because I'm wondering from him also, when it comes to the New York Jets, 3 p.m. Eastern time kickoff today, home against the Dolphins. They will probably get destroyed. We'll talk about that game a bit later on. Should Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, head coach and GM of the Jets, both be on a hot seat? It is Black Friday. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen right here on The Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat, where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side, helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature, quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network. I'm Dan Schwartzman, sitting in at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. That's right, Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen on this Black Friday, talking NFL. Who are the Lions? Who are the Cowboys? Hard to tell based on the fact they've beaten up on bad teams, haven't really won any great games. Are they truly elite teams in the NFC the way the 49ers are, who we watched yesterday dismantle Seattle on the road, and they have the wins this year to back it up? Are they all in that same class or not? We'll get to the Washington Commanders. Jack Del Rio fired as defensive coordinator. Only a matter of time, by the way, before Ron Rivera is let go as well. Is that a good job now that Daniel Snyder's not running the show? Is Josh Harris that guy to bring the luster, and sheen back to Washington. I know the stadium doesn't have hot water, and that's got to be addressed, obviously, but the reality is that was once a marquee job. Is it now again a marquee job? I just don't see, you know, when you look at the situation at quarterback. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. That's why we bring on one of my good buddies. Always love talking football with him, especially around the holidays. Jason Coley is a writer for 3013, also a Hall of Fame selector. Jason, apologies for uh, screwing up your Black Friday. I hope I'm not interrupting your shopping, my friend. How are you? Uh, no, you gave me a great excuse. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Honey, I got to go on the radio. Sorry. Can't shop. <laughs> just keep the credit card on one of those quick strings that you can quickly reel yeah, back. Yeah, you, know? you, you, you do your thing. You just do well, your happy thing. Thanksgiving, I buddy, to you and the here. family. <laughs> likewise likewise thank you listen jason i watch a lot of football as you did yesterday as well and i watch a 49er team on the road dismantle seattle they have wins to back up being an elite nfc team cowboys lions cowboys look great lions did not but they have good records are they elite teams or do we not know based on the fact they've really beaten nobody um they're not they might win a super bowl but they're not elite teams um and I guess, well, maybe I should say it this way. They're elite given what the league looks like today in in this year's season, right? You would say they're among the six, seven, eight best teams, and we're talking about Detroit and the Cowboys. So I can see them winning a Super Bowl. Do I trust either one of those teams yet? No. You know, the Cowboys have not beaten a team with a winning record and didn't look good in the two games, and they've only played – two games against teams with winning records. They have a very weak schedule. Um, now, they've beaten up on a lot of teams, that's true, but they have been beaten up on as well. Right. Um, and I would say that the game against Philly was artificially close. So people yeah. are pointing to that saying that is proof that they can compete with Philly or with the 49ers. I don't buy that quite yet. But they're playing talented, and if they stay healthy – you know, the 49ers are only a couple of injuries away from being not very good either, as we saw during their three-game losing streak. And Philly has problems on the back end on defense if they get banged up back there, which they have been earlier this season. So, you know, I don't think that the Cowboys are in that class. Detroit, I think it depends on how the game is played out at this point in time. They're a, they've got to be a front-runner team where they've got their running game going and they can keep Jared Goff you know, out of trouble, you know, and not under pressure. And they can play play action with him more. Um, he's had a couple of bad games in a row in terms of turning the ball over. Some of that, I think, is, you know, just happens chance. You know, you get some bad luck, and it happens sometimes a couple of games in a row. 
but there's no question with Jared Goff that if he's under duress, bad things are going to happen. There's a reason he's not in Los Angeles anymore. But the 49ers, yeah, when they're when they're healthy, <laughs> God, they're fun to watch. The, the game against Philly next week is going to be is going to be awesome. Oh, that pass rush of theirs is absolutely deadly. You do not want to play quarterback against that Niners defense when healthy. And I agree. Look, I mean, injuries rob them for those three games, but they at least have wins on that resume where you say, yeah, those are elite wins. Now, I want to look at Seattle. They've been a nice story, probably playing at a higher level than people thought in terms of the talent on the team, but they gave Geno Smith a fairly good contract after last last year. Well-deserved, Jason. He played well, but is last year the outlier on who Geno Smith is compared to what he's been since 2013? Or is he a guy that really turned the corner? I'm not impressed this year by Geno. Let me throw that out there. Who's Geno Smith to you? Well, I mean, yeah, last year's the outlier. It's as good as he can possibly play, which, you know, that's all right. And he's all right this year most of the time. He's been banged up. You know, he's kept his composure. I think generally things are okay with him. I think the problem is, like, they're not good enough to withstand, you know, very many injuries. So you lose Kenneth Walker, who's, you know, a good solid runner, that's going to allow teams to put more pressure on Gino, and Gino is not that good a player. Again, we're talking in that realm of the Jared Goffs of the world, you know, sort of league average guys who, you know, when they're under duress, you know, they're not going to play particularly well. So, you know, Gino is in that in is right there in that class. So, what you have to say is you have to surround guys like that with superior talent. And when I look at Seattle on offense. I don't see a lot of superior talent. You know, the the rookie wide receiver, um, Smith Najiba, I guess I don't even know how to say That's it. That's close. I'm it not going to try it. Right. It, he's really – he looks like he's got a chance to be a good player. He's not there yet. Metcalf, you know, good player, but, you know, he's more of a straight-line guy, can be handled in the right situations, right? So if they miss functional parts, it doesn't look so good. And on defense – it's just okay. They play hard because Pete Carroll teams almost always play hard, and that's a you know that's a good characteristic. But the talent is not quite good enough, and they're probably you know when it's all said and done, if they have a chance to get a better quarterback than Geno, they should snap at that chance. Chat with Jason Cole, writer for the three thirteen, also a Hall of Fame voter here on the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich here on Black Friday. Jack Del Rio fired as defensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders today. No surprise there. Probably a matter of time before Ron Rivera is looking for a new job as well. Let's say that happens this off season with new ownership. Is the Commanders' job a good job these days, or yet to be determined? Well, it's sort of a good question. I mean, Harris owns the 76ers, right? Yeah. If I if I'm and, and the Devils based I mean, on the yeah. way that yeah, I, based on the way that the 76ers have been handled, <coughs> excuse me. I tend to think that that's a pretty good job because they've shown patience in in Philadelphia. And it won't be a let's just you know, let's just try and win desperately. You know, the Dan Snyder thing was always try and make some kind of news or, you know, big shock value wave by going out and making a big signing. And they weren't methodical. They weren't thoughtful about what they were doing. Um, they never stuck with a plan. 
when I watch Philadelphia, I seem a team that, for most part, is stuck with a plan. And obviously, you know, the 76ers, and I'm not an NBA guy right. per se, but I follow it enough that they've generally had the right idea. It hasn't worked all the time. And, they've yeah, they've made some bad decisions along the way, you know, drafting Simmons, getting, you know, getting James Harden. But you could see that there was a reason why they did that, and they had an expectation that, unfortunately, that expectation didn't work out. Is there talent? You know, but if you're a, a, a potential coach of that team and you look at the, you know, the talent there, jury's out on Sam Howell, obviously. Brian Robinson's okay. There is talent at wide receiver. Defense is pretty horrendous. This is, what, a three-, four-year fix potentially, right? I mean, it, you really have to have patience. Do people really want to go in there and, and try to rebuild the roster that they've dismantled at the trade deadline trading their top two defensive ends? I wouldn't be afraid of that if I was a coach. I mean, look, somebody's going to take that job, and the the the, the questions are going to be a couple of things. What kind of what kind of commitment financially are you going to get personally, and what are they going to be willing to spend to make the team better? Not just this coming year, but over time. Like, if you the most important question that that coaches should ask when they go and interview is. What's the financial commitment that you guys are making, not only over a one-year period, but over a three- or four-year period? And that's both the financial commitment to me and the coaching staff that I have to bring in, but the financial commitment on behalf of the roster. And what is the plan, and how are we going to get a quarterback, right? So right. there's like those are the most important things that, that, that potential coaches should be asking of this ownership. And based on the fact that they've committed so much money on to buying this team and that there was a plan in place on how are you going to turn this around so that you can eventually convince the voters in either the Northern Virginia, Southern Maryland, or D.C. area to eventually build a stadium for you. And this is all a really complex you know, situation for the commanders. You know, what is the plan going forward? to execute that process to get us to the new stadium, to get us to where we have the revenue year over year over year to spend on free agents and think through it long term. But the most immediate thing to me is forget the roster. Yeah, where are you getting a quarterback? Because that's what everybody needs. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, Tim Boyle gets to start for the Jets in two and a half hours at home against the Dolphins. And I'm a Jet fan, and they should lose this game by 20-plus points. The defense last week against Buffalo just seemed to quit. You know, Sauce Gardner just with some bad penalties, and that's a good defense. Should Robert Sala and Joe Douglas be on extremely hot seats at this point, or do they get a free pass because Aaron Rodgers got hurt four plays into the season? I think they get a free pass with the caveat of, what are you doing at offensive coordinator? I mean, is this really your plan going forward? I, I would have a I, I would have a very frank discussion with Robert Sala about what are we doing on offense? Because if you're especially if you're a Jets fan, you went through the Rex Ryan years where it was terrific on defense. You saw a plan, and then all you ever heard was ground and pound, ground and pound, ground and pound, ground and pound. That's not a plan. That's not an idea. That is not an identity for what we're going to do and how that's, that's going to be married to what you're trying to do on defense. And so, okay, we're going to get Rogers back. If Hackett's staying, 
does that mean that Rodgers is really the play caller or not? And, you know, how's this going to work? And then what is our fallback position on quarterback? Because even if Rodgers comes back and plays a year or two, the man's, what, 38 or 39? 30, he'll be 40 yeah, like, soon, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be 40 soon. So I got to have a plan going forward around what you're going to do with the offense. And it's got to be more than, well, we're bringing these guys back and everything's going to be fine. Don't tell me that. Tell me a a well-laid-out plan. You know, Jason, you have to believe that if Aaron Rodgers was was not on this team, Nathaniel Hackett would have been fired, right? I mean, I think maybe the conversation has to be had with Aaron Rodgers because he seems to be the decision-maker when it comes to Nathaniel Hackett's career. Well, yeah, and that's part of it. Like, I want to hear why is it going to work? Why, Aaron, why is it going to work between you and Nathaniel Hackett as opposed to what I've been watching here for over a year and a half, because I'm watching Hackett from back in when he was with Denver, that it wasn't working very well. And yeah, Russell Wilson deserves to take, you know, his his blame. And Zach Wilson hasn't been good, but it's not like you've shown any any promise that you figured out how to solve their issues. So, is Rogers the one who's really the offensive coordinator here? And if so, you know, are we essentially teaching Nathaniel Hackett? Are we having the quarterback teach Nathaniel Hackett how to be the offensive coordinator? Uh, um, the answer is yes. <laughs> and, and form the rest of this offense. I mean, it's, it's that is sort of ass backwards. That's not what you want to do, but that's what's going on. Yeah, no, I I sit there and and listen. My wife has been with me almost eight years, and she understands that. When the Jets are on, I'm usually in a very bad mood. She's gotten accustomed to that, and I'm watching an offense, and I, I don't even want to call it that. It really is. It, it's really it is. A disease, I don't. Isn't it? It's a disease. <laughs> it, 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 it's taken years off my life. But I'll tell you, I can't call it an offense because there's no semblance of any sort of a plan there. You have Zach Wilson, who's not very good, but at least when you roll him out, he's got a shot, right? That offensive line is hideous right now, and yet they don't roll him out. There's no play actions, nothing. It makes absolutely no sense what Hackett's doing there, and they they you know they stuck him up in the booth. It didn't work, Jason. So I'm going to pull my hair out from about three o'clock to six o'clock this afternoon. So you know, feel bad for me when the Jets just, are down just, twenty-one just, to nothing. Just get a, get a bottle of something good and just drink your way through it. Oh, I got so uh, much, my you know, friend. Yeah, I got yeah, so I mean, much. Just, you know, and, and I'll say, that'll save you. It'll be an excuse for having to even talk about shopping. You know, You're the so best, man. that's. <laughs> <laughs> my friend Jason Cole, writer for the 313, also Hall of Fame voter. Jason, happy holidays again, my friend. Always appreciate you hopping on. Anytime. Thanks, Dan. Take care. Awesome stuff, Jason Cole. Well, he's awesome. Love the guy. <laughs> you can't call it an offense when you watch that Jets team because there's no semblance of a game plan of any sort. Incredible. Remember, stream the NFL on Westwood One for free, sponsored by AutoZone. All season long, you can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open WW0 or WWO Sports or on your Westwood One affiliate station's digital platforms. That's right, stream Kevin Harlan, Kurt Warner, and me all season long for free and get in the zone with AutoZone. That, of course, is Rich Eisen. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help you find a fix for free. Get in the zone. AutoZone restrictions apply. All right, we're going to come back and talk about this Washington Commander's job once it does open up. Is it now back to being an elite type of job, or is it a job that any good name, big name, talented coach is going to say, I don't want to deal with that nonsense, right? Come on. Who wants to sit through a 
rebuild in Washington. That's next. Dan Schwartzman on Black Friday. In for Rich. It's the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Back on the Rich Eisen Show, Dan Schwartzman in for Rich here on Black Friday. A lot of NFL talk, a triple header yesterday. The first Black Friday game, it's on Prime, which I'm, I get it. It's about money. I'm not a big fan of it, though. I didn't know how to update my Prime, so it was not good quality for a while until I realized how I could update my Prime. Again, I'm like 45. I type with two fingers. My 13-year-old is better with her iPad than I am. Much more tech-savvy than I am. That's... Kind of makes me feel old, but that's just the way it is, right? So, it's on Prime. I'll watch it. My Jets will be down 21 to nothing at halftime. Here's the question, though. Tyler, come on back. Tyler Brewer, who is on the other side of the glass, doing a great job. Tyler, uh, again, I'm a Jet fan. That's why my hair is great a bit. Let's do an over-under, okay? okay? Yeah. Over-under, one-and-a-half touchdowns scored by the offense today, which by the Jets. Which way are you going? Mm, I'm going to go over. Wow, you're an optimist, aren't you? Want to know you? why? Well, I'm a Raider fan, so I, I feel your struggle sometimes. Okay. And it, they played the Dolphins played the Raiders last week, and the Raiders gave them an okay game. It's and also they scored some points. They, yeah. they scored some points. It's also you know you know I always find those divisional matchups are always a little tighter. So I'm gonna give your boys some credit. I'm gonna say over. Yeah, you're an optimist. I'm going under because I've watched this team all year. <laughs> I don't know who the heck Tim Boyle is, by the yeah, way. Man, that's tough. And we're going to get to this whole Robert Sala and Joe Douglas hot seat or not a bit later on. We'll do that next hour because I want to get into this Jack Del Rio getting fired by the Washington Commanders. I, he Listen, he's kind of a scapegoat here. This is a team that is obviously rebuilding. They got rid of Chase Young and Montez Sweat at the trade deadline. You get rid of two guys who are leading your team in sacks. It's kind of a problem, right? Like, What do you expect a guy to do defensively when you get rid of his two best pass rushers? That's because Deron Payne and, and Jonathan Allen have not had good years. They've regressed from last year. And especially Payne, who was great last year. So whatever. I mean, Jack Del Rio's probably happy to be out of there. It's a mess. They're 4-8. They're not even competitive. Ron Rivera's going to get axed sometime soon. Probably right at the end of the season. When you have, what do they call it, the, uh, the Black Monday for coaches? He's going to get axed. And that job's going to become available. And it makes you wonder, is that a good job? Is that a marquee job? If you are a name head coach, somebody with a reputation, and the commanders approach you and say, we want you to run the show here, we want you to be our next coach, and maybe you have a, an option somewhere else, is the commander's job standing out to you? Like, is it a better job than Tyler's team, the Raiders? 
I think it is a better job than the Raiders. No offense, and that's because I'm, you know, I, you know, I don't know about working for Mark Davis. He seems to fire a bunch of people. He's paying what ninety five million dollars to guys who aren't even coaching there anymore. It's a lot of money. But if you're, say, Jim Harbaugh and you've kind of worn out your welcome at Michigan, which is ironic because they potentially could win a national championship, but with all the scandals and this and that and sign stealing and just the way he rubs people wrong, and by the way, he does rub rub people wrong, it was only a matter of time before he would be gone from Michigan, and that might be the time now. They may they may be tiring of Jim Harbaugh. That That clock may have stopped ticking. The way it did in San Francisco where he was widely successful. He took him to the Super Bowl. But in the end, it all goes south for him. Everywhere he goes, it goes south because he's a curmudgeon. Doesn't seem to be a nice guy. And again, he rubs people wrong. But he's also a highly qualified NFL coach. And he's a guy that whenever there's an opening, his name is bantered around. And if he wants a job, chances are he can have it. So if you're the commanders and you are going to axe Ron Rivera and you approach a Jim Harbaugh if you're Jim Harbaugh and you look at the Washington commander's job are you saying to yourself that's an elite job I want it or are you saying to yourself that's a crappy job I don't want it if it's Daniel Snyder running the show you run like heck from that job right you run for the hills you tell them to you you pull a uh, who was that it was uh Aaron Rodgers texting Adam Schefter saying, lose my number. That's exactly what you would tell Daniel Snyder. Lose my number. I'm not working for you. Perfect sense. You are correct for doing that. But now with Josh Harris atop leadership as the owner of the Washington Commanders, and Jason Cole alluded to that last segment, which is he seemed to do a you know pretty good job in Philadelphia. He was patient, no question about it. He was there for the process, which I found to be abhorrent that you attempt to lose as many games as possible so you can build up a team and literally embarrassing yourself on the court. But whatever, it, I guess to a point worked. They haven't won a championship, but they play competitive basketball for the last five years, and that was something that didn't happen, obviously, with the process. So the Devils are a quality organization in the NHL. So Josh Harris, I think, has a good reputation of being a good owner. And that is a plus. The stadium's a mess. There's no hot water. They have issues there. You know, are are they going to get something new? If they do, are you going to be around in five years when the stadium is finally built? Because they're far from actually having a stadium built to play in, right? I mean, we're talking five years out, and that's a long time when you think about being a head coach in the NFL today. You don't get that five-year window anymore, right? Remember, it used to be you got a college job or an NFL job, more so college. You at least had a five-year window because that at least means every player on your team you recruited or you brought in. Now it doesn't work that way. NFL coaches are fired after one year. Heck, some NFL coaches like Nathaniel Hackett don't even survive one year. They get fired within their first year. Hey Dan, at least two years. Yeah, Tyler. Let me let me ask you. I just thought about this. What about if you kept it in house? Remember the flavor of the week? You know, last year and year before for the coach, uh, Eric Bieniemy. He's the offensive coordinator there. Would he get bumped up? Maybe get. You a know, chance? that's a great. That's a great. I just thought that's of that. a great question. You know, he's an interesting character, right? You know, you look at Eric Bieniemy and you say to yourself, okay, how is it that being in the Andy Reid coaching tree, he hasn't gotten that love the way that. Matt Nagy got it, the way that Doug Peterson got it. 
pretty much anybody that's worked under Andy Reid, especially on the offense, has had an opportunity to be a head coach. And he's had the interviews, right? I mean, he consistently gets interviews every offseason, but yet he doesn't land the job. Now, I know people have said it's because he's black, and maybe it is. I don't know. I'm not sure how much of a factor that does in today's world play a role in that. I tend to believe that in the NFL, owners want to win. I don't think they care if you're an alien, Asian, black, Hispanic, white. If you can win them games, they want you, right? And I always felt that it was, wasn't was fair. I mean, the Jets interviewed Eric Bieniemy. He, he didn't get the job with them. They hired the only Muslim-American head coach in Robert Sala. And by the way, the Jets have had not one but two black coaches in their history with Herman Edwards and Todd Bowles. So it wasn't fair to say, well, racism, because, well, the Jets obviously have proven they're not. From what I hear, he's just not a good interview. You know, he doesn't interview well. And maybe that's what it is. And he had some baggage when he was at Colorado, I guess. There were some issues there. Maybe that's affecting him. But if you're Washington and you reach for the stars with a name like Jim Harbaugh and he turns you down, although how cool would that be if Jim Harbaugh's in Washington and John Harbaugh is right up 95 in Baltimore, literally within uh, an hour and a half, two hours from each other? How cute would that be? They get together every Saturday for dinner. Who pays, by the way? Does Jim Harbaugh pay or John? Well, I guess well, John makes a lot. So I, that's got to be weird, right? Like, if the Harbaugh brothers get together for a dinner, who ends up paying? Or do they rotate? Like, Jim, you got it last time. It's your turn, John. Or, John, you know, you make $11 million and I only make $10 million, so you're picking up the bill. You ever wondered, like, Tyler, I, I've never had this problem because I'm not rich and I don't have friends who are filthy rich, but... If you have two rich people having dinner, who decides who pays, right? Like, have you ever thought about that? Uh, these are problems I don't, I don't have to worry about, Dan. I don't but worry. But, like, if you're Bill Gates and Warren Buffett <laughs> right. and Michael Bloomberg and you're sitting down for dinner. It'd be like a and race. And you're each worth $100 billion. Like, how do you decide? I don't know. I don't like, know. You're only worth $96 billion, I'm worth one hundred and thirty. so I'll right. take the check. <laughs> Who's, <laughs> whose card weighs the more? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Or do they play the uh, card roulette that hockey does, or hockey teams do, where they, at the end of dinner, they take the, a sock and they put the credit cards in a sock, and one player reaches in and grabs the credit card, and whoever's card comes out has to pay for that meal. Maybe that's what they do. All right, Warren, get your card out. All right, Bill, get your card out. All right, let's see. Ah, Bill, you got to pick up this tab today. I don't know how you do it. I think Washington is a good job, by the way. I think new ownership helps. It's a marquee city. It's an awesome place. I love Washington, D.C. You win there, that fan base would go absolutely bonkers, right? Great fan base, loyal. They've stuck with that nonsense for all these years. I think it's a marquee job. You take that job if you have the opportunity to do so. we got to get into, by the way, the Jets. Robert Sala, Joe Douglas. How hot should their seat be when you think about how bad that team has been? That's next. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen right here on the Rich Eisen Show on Black Friday.